Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, strategic thought leadership coach and consultant. And this is Thought Leadership Studio, episode 63, Gina London on Executive Presence. From reporting the news on CNN to helping create it, authenticity and presence in leadership. What this episode will do for you is trace Gina London's career path, gain insight into her transition from a celebrated CNN correspondent to a leadership coach and understand how her diverse experiences enrich her approach to leadership training. Learn about leadership and storytelling by discovering the importance of combining storytelling with leadership skills and how this blend creates powerful and effective communication strategies in the corporate world. Learn about empowering authentic leadership. By understanding the nuances of crafting authentic leadership presence and learning how authenticity plays a pivotal role in effective leadership and team engagement. Learn about building a thought leadership brand by exploring practical strategies for developing and showcasing your thought leadership, whether you're a seasoned professional or just beginning your journey. And dive into the impact of communication in leadership by considering the transformative power of effective communication and leadership and how it can foster trust, loyalty, and a positive organizational culture. But before we dive more deeply into this episode, in case you're new here, consider that I created the Thought Leadership Studio podcast to help listeners improve their thought leadership skills. So whether or not you consider yourself a thought leader at this point, consider that I've come to the conclusion that the practice of strategic thought leadership is now fundamental to effective marketing and helpful in any area of positive influence. It's about leading an audience to embrace a unique perspective that gives them more value. So this podcast is designed to provide an accelerated training process for which I use my expertise in design human engineering, neurolinguistic programming, systems thinking, and game theory to create a condensed form of learning. And I recommend repeated listening for optimum empowerment. And an important part of this is having models of excellence for which I provide interviews of people who excel in one or more areas relevant to strategic thought leadership. And if you're listening on an app, make sure you visit the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. It's linked in the episode description for a summary of the episode with a curated transcript, a story and images, 
and additional resources and offers, such as the free marketer's guide to strategic thought leadership, free PDF guide, and a free 30-minute brainstorming or discovery session with me in which we can address your thought leadership specifically. So in this episode, I'm excited to introduce Gina London, an Emmy-winning former CNN correspondent turned leadership trainer. Over the past decade, Gina has transitioned from broadcasting to empowering senior executives at global companies like Google and Wells Fargo. She specializes in transforming communication and leadership skills, helping many to excel in their leadership roles. She shares her experience of working with women in Iraq who are running for parliament and how helping them tell their own stories inspired her to help others make a positive impact through effective communication. Gina emphasizes the importance of aligning values with actions and developing executive presence to connect with and influence others. She also discusses her approach to coaching and training, including the use of video micro lessons and exercises. To make a difference in their leadership and influence, Gina recommends writing down negative thoughts and finding substitutions, working on voice projection and energy, and being mindful of body language. So without further ado, let's jump right into the interview. Thought Leadership Studio. So I'm your host of Thought Leadership Studio, Chris McNeil, and I'm sitting here uh, across an ocean, I believe, with Gina London, an Emmy award-winning former CNN correspondent and anchor with premier clients in five continents. She guides top companies and executives in the world to positively connect and engage with their employees, their board, themselves, and I would add the world. Welcome, Gina. Oh, thank you so much, Chris. It's great to be with you. Great to have you here. So we were just talking about what what I might frame as your your pivotal moment um, when you went from a career in broadcasting to a career in leadership training and empowerment. Can you share a little bit about that with our listeners to kind of give them a frame of reference for where you're coming from? Yeah, happily. And so I am an American. As you mentioned, we're talking from across the ocean. I live full time in Europe, in Ireland now, but I started out as a journalist in the U.S. with print in Orlando Sentinel, then as you mentioned for more than 10 years with CNN first as a writer and then as a correspondent and then as an anchor. So storytelling, telling other people's stories, finding a way to make a hook, finding a way to capture the attention of an audience from written word to on television was what I had learned over the years in that career. Then when my career at CNN was at an end, I took a job as a communication director for a large government affairs lobbying firm in the US, but I took my vacation time to go work in these emerging democracies as a volunteer trainer with an NGO, with a, with a 
not-for-profit organization. Mm -hmm. And what we were doing then is helping civic-minded leaders, helping people that were trying to get out immunization awareness campaigns, issue campaigns in their countries, learn how to tell their stories. And the first group of people that I had the privilege of working with, and this is what we were talking about, were women from Iraq who were just now getting an opportunity to run for parliament. So when I was able to help those people tell their own stories after I'd spent all these, these years helping or telling other people's stories for them, I thought, this is it. This is the transfer skill. This is not just something that I was born with because I had to learn it through the rigors of 24-hour news. And how can I now help other people who have a positive message to tell, to want to make a positive difference in wherever they live, be able to tell it with energy, with passion, concisely, change pieces around depending on their audience, and impact that audience in a way that helps get them motivated and work together for what I hope is their common, mutually beneficial outcome. So that was that moment with working with these women who had their families' lives in mind, the progress of their country in mind, and how do I help them separate themselves from the pack? And that's what I do in essence with different people and different organizations all around the world to this day. Well, that's really interesting. It, it seems to me like you're sitting at the edge of the tipping point of a paradigm working with the women in Iraq as they're getting into politics there. That's really influential. That's that's a big deal. How does it feel to be at the tipping point of a paradigm shift like that? Well, you know, I, I think in their situation, particularly, it's still a very much of an uphill battle, not just for women, but for civic mindedness in that country at the as it still continues to try to progress and the pace that that is and the difficulties that come within a geopolitical situation that is in Iraq, for example. But my hope is that one person at a time, depending on their level of influence, they can learn skills about content construction, about how they carry themselves, about how they evoke the energy and the passion they might have internally, externally, so that they can be more captivating or more compelling or be that voice that's remembered among many that might be also trying to capture their attention. And so sometimes it's in the corporate realm. Sometimes I'm still working with women in democracy building or a different type of charity. I do some work with UNICEF as well. So however, I had the opportunity of facilitating this year's International Children's Peace Prize, for example. So could be young leaders that are committed to trying to make the a difference, positive difference in their world. So whoever I get an opportunity to work with, if they're a human being committed to more positive impact and want me to help them amplify their voice, that's what it means. That's what it's, it's all about for me. So the positive impact is, is what it's yeah. about for you. What, what does it do for you to have that positive impact? Well, I mean, you know, it, it's like it used to be, I guess, in some ways that I was the voice. I was the face for different news events. And now to be able to give other people who are impacting in their worlds that voice or that confidence or that comfort even, it fills me with 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 joy, with joy especially when I hear back from a client, like the one I can't share which company, but he's the chief 
technical officer of multinational beverage company based in Paris. So you can go do your homework, folks who are listening. <laughs> and so he's got a real global audience in terms of how they go to market, how they're using generative AI, for example, to help process and get some of their product out, out there and the stories that they want to tell, how he wants to impact his whole internal organization and then share that at the Web Summit or when he's talking with a panel on the, the Guardian or The Economist, these big global publications, and even how he's igniting and inspiring his team internally. So I've been working with him off and on for over about a year. And just a couple of weeks ago was his their most recent town hall meeting. And his approach and his storytelling, the way he's bringing people's names in and actually checking them and calling them out and supporting them is different than he would have before. He would have been just leaning in on the information and not leaning in on the human connection part, which you can learn about and then you can start to apply and you can develop it. It can be more natural for you over time. So on the heels of this town hall, his assistant sent him a note through WhatsApp that he screenshotted then over to me that said, your evolution and how you engage us is dramatic. And I think it's been worthwhile these meetings I've been putting in your agenda with Gina. And that means everything because I don't see him do that. I'm not there day to day, but I get to hear the positive impact that he's making on other people when they reflect it back to him. And he was kind enough to share it with me. So in a way you're setting a ripple in motion. And when you get to hear back from someone to say, that says, it's changed the way I present. It's changed the way I talk with others. It's changed the way that I'm bringing my people along. It changes how I'm talking to the media. It changes how I'm talking, how I'm sharing. And as long as I am convinced that they are in it to do good or to make a positive impact, that makes me happy. So far, I have not heard any feedback of someone who's used it to be divisive or prey on people's fears. <laughs> that's that's the other side of the coin. I mean, we can rat, we can use our powers for good or not so good. And there are plenty of examples of people who can be charismatic and be rallying around messages that aren't bringing people together around something positive. So I'm well, glad, I'm grateful that I'm playing. I hopefully on the right team. I, I I'm, see that you are. And you know, a knife in the hands of a surgeon can save a life. Wow, there you go. Of the assassin, it's a whole different thing, you know. It's it's all the intent behind it, and I, I love yeah, it. Really, truly is. Oh yeah, I love to hear and see that it brings you joy to help create the news as opposed to report the news. Is that a kind of a shift internally for you? Here? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it really is. I mean, look, I got into TV news because, or I got into journalism because I think, frankly, as a kid growing up in a small town in Indiana where I'm from, I saw journalism as a vehicle that could maybe help me travel to other places or meet other people or break out of the confines of the small town. I have great friends still from that small town, but it wasn't where I wanted to, to put my hat as I grew up. And so it did help. For that and i didn't really have a after that type of a um situation when i got on the cnn and then i was on tv i you know i'd be walking through an airport for example back when they used to have cnn airport on all of the different channels at the gates now everybody can get everything on their phone but when i was on that was the news and sometimes 
I'd be running through to get on a flight for a story and a recorded version of me would be playing as I'm running around. And it was weird and uh -huh. kind of fun. And my mom, for example, could say, I always knew where I would find you on TV if I looked at the headlines and knew what was going on that day because I did a lot of breaking news. So you go from a bit of a spotlight, like I was certainly no Larry King or Christian Amanpour or, or Wolf Blitzer, but you did have a bit of a spotlight. I did have a PR agent internally, and I did occasionally get mail and that sort of thing. And you go from having a bit of a spotlight to sh helping others now who have a spotlight. And so it is it is a shift, but it is rewarding in a different way because you're helping people with high profiles, with a lot of employees, with a lot of impact, usually corporately. I'm not doing as much on the global political, geopolitical scale anymore, but these people are influencing other people too. And you hope if you can be planting these seeds and giving them these tools, and then they can be paying it forward through their senior leadership team development, that you're creating positive cultures, you're creating cultures that are recognizing people as human beings, you're multiplying their impact and not diminishing their productivity and their impact through these techniques and these approaches, and it's developable, and that's what gets me excited. A lot of people think uh, it's either just for an extrovert or it's for someone else who's had a professional speaking career. It's not for me. I can't really impact that way. I've worked with very self-described introverts, and at the end of it, they don't necessarily want to go command a giant stage, but they do feel more confident that they're constructing in a way, that they're decisive when they need to be clear, that they're warmer when they maybe would just be leaning in on numbers and they haven't actually tried these types of voice techniques or content development techniques to bring people along with them more. And it's not fake, it's not about teaching people to be manipulative or not genuine, but it is reminding them that there are choices that they can make and start to muscle memory and develop how they think about themselves and about their audience so that they can be more connecting, be more compelling. And that, again, it makes me happy when it makes them happy because it's made their employees or their teams or whomever is their audience more encouraged, more likely to go with them on even a company change because that can always be re resistant uh, inducing and so those types of things where you can bring people along with you because they want to not because they have to that's a difference right and that's an important point yeah because a lot of people think of leadership or persuasion as quote manipulative and in yeah. a sense everything we do we interact with other people is manipulative you can't not impact people but when you're adding choices when you're helping people expand their choices they can always go back to the old way of thinking if they choose to. It's still there. They just have a better choice if they choose to take it. It's up to them, but you're expanding the worlds by doing that, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, there's the leadership by right and title, the whole command and control thing where you, I say it, you have to do it. And that'll get you some, some compliance, but it won't get you respect, and it certainly won't get you loyalty, and it won't get people feeling like you're being nurturing a relationship and you're not you're not creating bonds of trust you're just 
wrapping people in bondage. So there's a big difference, especially if you want to have that lasting positive legacy and bring people along with you and not force them to come. Absolutely. Well, you're liberating people from less empowering models of the world, less empowering beliefs, less empowering ways of thinking. So it's a, it's a liberating thing and people revere their liberators. It is a very different yeah. dynamic of course, compliance. Absolutely. And I'm impressed by how you've taken your experience in mainstream media and organized it into a set of tools to empower people to communicate effectively. And I, I like the emphasis on executive presence, personal magnetism, whatever words you might put on that. I think that's something that's really important. How could you speak to that particular aspect and, and exuding, mm -hmm. radiating um, a sense of leadership that people would want to follow because it's a better choice for them? Thanks for that question, because when I got started in this, it makes sense to tell everybody, hey, it's been a journey. I didn't go from CNN to, hey, executive presence, holistic leadership communications. What happened for me was I was initially asked after my the foundation NGO work that I was doing, which was really more message, political campaigning style of communications platform, stump speeches, that sort of thing. But when we get into the corporate world, I was asked initially by three execs over at SAP, SAP, they call it here in Europe, at the headquarters, which is in Waldorf, Germany, there were these three S three senior vice presidents who said, hey, we've heard about you and we want you to help us with our presentation skills. No problem. That's construction. That's moving pieces around. That's a strong conclusion. I mean, I can, that's storytelling. I can do that. We also want you to help us with answering questions from the media. Sure, I can certainly role play a lot of those Q and A's for you and help you feel more polished. Then they said, Chris, we also want you to help us with executive presence. And I was like, Google executive presence. <laughs> what what even, what does that mean? I, I, I didn't work in corporate. I worked in yeah. TV news. We should talk about- What is that? Is that, that, is that gifts of... for presence? I mean, we're giving- Yeah, what is that? We have presence? How do you spell that? Good, good question. So. That's what began me on this whole whole idea that we don't just train for a presentation. We don't just teach you to field questions. We teach you to change your mindset about who, knowing what your internal values are, identifying values. And I've worked with global CEOs even recently who go, wait, I've never done this values work before. Well, good. It's time to start thinking about this. Because you're not just talking about your services and your products to your employees. You're talking about what motivates human beings. So you need to know what motivates you. And you need to stand by. I mean, you don't have to, but it's better if you do. Let's put it this way. Where I'm working, we're going to identify your internal values. Like, is it integrity? Is it kindness for a reason? Is it compassion because people deserve it? I don't want just to know a word. I want you to link it to a why. Once we do that work, then I'm going to ask you, how do you demonstrate that externally? And this is the key. Linking consistently your actions to your identified values in order to have positive desired outcomes. That is what I call my authenticity definition. And it's the root of executive presence because it requires you to first do this work, understand that you that comes then with choices. 
because you might feel, oh, well, I'm authentically really grouchy right now and I'm not in a good mood and and I legitimately had a fight with my significant other. So now I'm going to go into this board meeting. Nope. No. I'm going to go not talk to my employees. I'm bringing all that with me. Nope. You are going to take a moment to reflect who's my audience? What's my desired outcome for this? What are the choices I can make to recalibrate myself? Do mm -hmm. Externally exude what is required. And this takes effort. And this sometimes people go, well, that's that manipulative thing. No, it isn't. It's genuinely considering your audience, understanding the version of you that you want to bring, because we all have different versions of ourselves. Right. We have the time grouchy version of ourselves that we need to park when we're needing to explain and encourage our team members that we've got end of the year projects and deadlines and projections that need to be met. If you just come in with the grouchy mandate, it's not going to have the same impact. Same message, different way of delivering it, different version of you. This is what executive presence to me is. It's your choices to match your internal to your external. And how do we do that? There's some mechanics involved. Some people that don't feel like smiling and look like they're super serious or stern or maybe detached might need to learn how to turn that on a little bit. You don't have to go from zero to 60, but you might have to go from zero to four. It just start to feel what that's like. So cultivating that curiosity about other people, accepting that you can develop your character and your personality traits that even if you self-identify as an introvert or more logic-brained and not as emotional-brained, you can still start to bring more compassion, more warmth to who you are, asking follow-up questions, nodding your head when the other person is talking. Oh, that feels fake. Try it. Because the neuroscience out there, and I have ratified a lot of my practical stuff now with the neuroscience from the colleagues that I've had the privilege of working with, they say, you don't change your thoughts with thoughts, you change your thoughts with actions. So when you self narrate about yourself a certain way, the only way to start to disrupt that is to physically change your reaction. So you're normally faces like this, this is just who I am. Okay, we're gonna try smiling a little bit more. We're gonna try asking questions a little bit more. And I say you go from default style of speaking and engaging, which is probably where most of us are, to design. So we put in some of the pieces, we identify who you are, identify where you wanna be, put in some of the design. Over time, that becomes your new default. It, it's just, I mean, oh, that sounds so fake. It's not, it's the same way as when I was moving to Ireland, I got a car and the dealer handed me the keys and said, okay, there you go. Well, they drive on the left side of the road here. Uh -huh. And I'd never done that ever my entire life. And so maybe part of my being, my physical default of driving was the years I'd spent in the US, right, Chris? And so now suddenly I have to be designed. I have to think, focus, talk to myself internally while I'm coming up to a roundabout and change the way I normally would do so I can't, I don't crash into people. It's the same approach. Well, Gina, you give me a, a lot of good threads here. If I can um, okay. keep some of this back to you uh, and make sure I'm capturing things that yep. will be of special interest to our wonderful listeners. 
One of them is this emphasis on values matching actions. And I, I would call that congruence. I think of Love that. John Kennedy launching the space um, program to the moon, his speech for that was an example of the physiology and voice tonality of complete congruence and belief in a mission. And he sent America to the moon with that. Uh, and of course, there's this thing about belief systems that you address too, that, that can act as a filter for expressing our values sometimes and believe, so I'm not that person. And, but that's, as you pointed out, just neuro pathways for lack. And it's just like an athlete practicing the perfect movement for sport. I mean, if somebody wants to be an Olympic athlete, they're like, oh, that's not natural to um, throw a ball that way because that's not how I, they would, they would not do that. They would just know this is the optimum way for my nervous system to perform at the highest possible level. And that's a matter of training that through repetition to get that repetition in the new behavior. That's another piece of it that I'm getting. Um, but yes. since, since a, a person's sense of identity and their beliefs about themselves obviously need to be in alignment with expressing their values through their communication, what would be some examples of how you help leaders shift their beliefs to better fit this new identity that you're helping them mold for themselves as a compelling communicator? Well, that's, thank you for that, Chris. That's great. And I really I thought about the word congruence. I hadn't thought about how... President John F. Kennedy at the time captivated and compelled people with the way he described their, the mission to, to get to the, to the space exploration. That was really powerful. I have had clients that have come to me on their own volition. I have had clients that have been directed to me by corporate because for whatever reason, their people management numbers, their people connection numbers on a 360 or some sort of way to evaluate them, a performance review, were really low. So one example about what you're asking right now is, I call it my ad principle, awareness, desire, discipline. So starting with awareness, but moving toward desire, because if we raise someone's awareness about, hey, the guy that I had to go to in this example, he knew his numbers and the people thing weren't, weren't great, but if the desire was not there because he was defensive, that's not the right D. He didn't want to make a move, even though corporate had brought me in. So how do we heighten awareness? And it can be through an assessment, like what I just described, or it can be through some interviewing or some questions or some self-reflection, the value work type of thing. In his situation, I was like walking into a hostile, hostile room because he was not happy. He was sitting behind the desk when I came in to meet him. He didn't stand up. He didn't shake my hand. He says, I don't know why you're here because you can see I have an open door policy. You walked right in. I mean, it was really funny, but it wasn't. So in that case, I just started talking to him. Tell me about your routine. Tell me about your day. Tell me about how you ask employees about their day. Well, I don't. Well, tell me about... Let's let's have you explain the most recent piece of, I don't know, town meeting or weekly update or something that you're going to be addressing internals. So he started talking. I said, you mind if I put you on camera? I didn't have a video team. Sometimes I bring them, but in this case, I just put him on my phone. So he's talking away, very matter of fact, devoid of any 
facial connection, really. Great. Thanks for that. Now let's talk a little bit more about you. Talk about your family. Talk about your, what do you like to do? I like to work out. He's super disciplined. No surprise there. I I like to, I'm always up at a certain time, very regimented. No surprise there. I've got a, a five-year-old daughter. Oh, you do? Tell me about her. What's her name? What what what's it like for her to go to preschool? He starts talking, and I'm telling you, suddenly it's like you find that that glimmer of humanity, which you hope is there. I mean, I've I've yet to find someone that doesn't have any, but I'm sure they're they're out there. But I don't deal with the narcissists because I don't think that they're in the companies I work for. At any rate, he started talking about his daughter, and his face lit up and started glowing. And I said, "Could you tell me?" the most recent time that you had to battle with her because I bet she didn't want to go to school on time because I've got a daughter. I've got, you know, most parents can relate to this type of topic. So he started talking about this whole story. And I said, let me put you on camera. And he started continuing talking. No surprise, guys, where this goes. I played the clip of him talking to his employees alongside the clip of him talking about his daughter with the sound off. Mm -hmm. And I said... Who do you want to listen to? What a great it, exercise. It was so powerful. Now, this was a couple of days in. This wasn't just all in one meeting. But because you want to get the trust and the report, all these times, it's, it's, an, it's an exploration with these people because you they have to trust you that, they, that you're credible and that you can make a difference. They have to experience you as a, as a peer and all these sorts of things. But mm -hmm. boy, when he started melting around that, and acknowledging that's when we start to stoke the desire. And then we say, okay, little by little, it's not an overnight change. Like you were talking about the, the person in the Olympics trying to evolve their athletic skills the same way. How do you evolve the way I ask people about things and the way I'm listening? And it starts out a little bit methodological, which he actually liked because he's regimented. Mm -hmm. So talk to three people every day. He kind of did it by rote initially, send me a clip on WhatsApp every day, striking a conversation just for 30 seconds. How would you address this issue? What's on your agenda for today? Let me start to see how you construct and how you deliver. So I start to help people identify how you think, then how you deliver. Your word choice, your vocal inflection, if there is any, and your body language. So we start to basically like relearning how to drive. We start to unpack these things. And that's that discipline, that incremental little daily evolutions, because you can't put them all into play at once. Mm -hmm. And he's one of my favorite stories because he, now it took about six months for him to have anybody notice that he changed because you've got to do this consistently. It can't be like, oh, yeah, he's faking this out for one day, and now we all believe him. <laughs> That's a fantastic example, though, to, to calibrate by a time that any parent could relate to. Yeah, you thankfully, know, I was looking, I was searching for a nugget there, Chris. Well, they're always there, aren't they? Everybody's got something something in their personal history that you, you can bring out and show them, look at what you really can do. If yeah, and I've had, and I'm not a psychologist, and I certainly don't pretend to be one. But it is almost every single time I work with someone who, okay, I don't feel like I can claim my space because I'm the only manager in globally, and that's a woman, and everybody else is a man. 
And well, why do you feel that? Well, it goes often goes back to a childhood experience with a teacher or a dad, or maybe even a mom who wasn't as encouraging as they might've been. These offhand remarks during our formulative years are like little seeds that are planted in a negative way. And they can grow and develop this negative stare, negative self-talk, a negative narrative that we might bring with us about, well, I'm just this way, or I'm just really high strung, or I'm really fiery, or I'm very whatever the the descriptors are. And it it's self-limiting, right. but it's often been planted by someone else. And when we begin to interrogate where they come, it starts to lessen the grip that they have within our own minds of how we see ourselves. Well, that's the thing about authenticity, isn't it? People feel off being authentic might feel fake just because you're so conditioned to being inauthentic and responding to what the world has reflected back to you that doesn't really reflect your best self. Wow. That's that. I agree. And that's why I talk about this word. Authenticity can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And sometimes it can be, I'm just no filter. I'm just however I am, whenever I feel. And I think, no, wait, 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 wait. Connect it with your values and start to actually connect with who you want to be because that is something that you have more control of. And then they say, oh, okay. And, and, and what is that real version of me? How do I really want to connect? And a lot of times now I'm excited because in business situations, there is an absolute evolution of the younger talent, for example, but everybody who's a human being, when you start to let them lean into their human, they really start to take this on board. And the younger ones are saying, we want senior leaders who are transparent and approachable and real humans. We want to get to know them. That requires those senior leaders to show more of themselves, to be a an inspiring leader, not a dictator. And it takes effort. And it sometimes I've had leaders say, yeah, but I've got to be super direct and I've got to just going to, there's not enough time to do this thoughtful stuff. Actually, this thoughtful stuff will take a little more time in the beginning, but you're going to get so much more productivity and so much more innovation, so much more contribution as a result that it's worth the effort. And you're more and so alive. Usually... So every moment of your life is more valuable when you're expressing your values congruently. I mean, that just yeah. that's more being you do. It's something I want to direct you to, if you don't mind. Sure. I thought of interest to our listeners, knowing we have thought leaders, entrepreneurs, people who are building models that we want to lead people to embrace, is you've done a fantastic job of organizing and articulating your experience in media and your natural knack for leadership into a coherent training program. Can you share a little bit about your thought process of how you've taken your vision and organized it into educational components that have an impact in the way we do? Well, thanks. I mean, I think, again, my journey of being a coach and a speaker and a trainer, I'm learning all the time myself because when I'm working with a large multinational with a committed learning and development or people and culture department, then they're requiring me to have learning objectives and make a module around this. And can you skill us up on this? And how do we metric this? And do you have assessments for this? And 
I do a lot of work with the Dublin City University's Executive International MBA program. And that process of collaboration has required me to put in a lot of all these things. And it really, it's great because it starts to make me think, okay, how do I deconstruct it in a methodical way? How can we reconstruct it? So we have areas around strategy. We have areas around structure. We have areas around the delivery components, as I've mentioned. And then over lockdown, as we were sitting, not doing as much traveling during that those first several months in 2020, I said, you know what, let's put a lot of these things that I do in live workshops into video micro lessons on a, on a buildable journey and a buildable program. And I created what I call language of leadership, languageofleadership.org. You can find it or go on my website, ginalunden.com, and you can access it. It's a whole video content library now from gamification to presentation, executive presence, body, storytelling, the way that you can better connect. I've got downloadable PDFs now, but it really, I hope, allows anybody to have access to the progressive step-by-step, -step, these little buildable micro lessons that you can track your journey. There's exercises attached to all of it. And it's, I'm really proud of it because I do a lot of B2B, but this is a great B2C for anybody, anywhere, at any time to work at your own pace. That's great. And for the listener, I'm going to link to all this on the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. So if you're on an app, the link to that page is in the episode description. Gina, this has been fantastic. Um, to, to wrap things up for our listeners, I'm going to ask you two kinds of questions. The first is, okay. considering our audience, so I know you know something about, given the context of the podcast, what are the top three things that you would recommend they could do right away to make a difference in their magnetism, their leadership, their ability to influence? That they can start doing right away. Three okay. things. Second, and you just mentioned it already, Number to reiterate, how would someone reach out to you and reach out to find out the materials that you offer to help empower people? Okay, great. Thanks. Three things that you can do right away. Number one, get out of your head and write things down. I don't care where it is. If it's on your laptop, on your phone, on an old-fashioned piece of paper, but if you've got an identify a negative th thought and find a substitution, identify who you think you are and begin to interrogate that. Is it serving you the best that you can? Start to do some of that work to get yourself introspective. That's one, because I think that's the preparation that's critical before I say, oh, and then project your voice and oh, hey, have energy. Hey, smile. That's going to feel completely fake unless you do and until you do that work so that's the number one number two then is to begin to identify what are some actions and that connect with these things and is it that i speak really quietly and everybody has to really lean in it can be effective tool sometimes but it can also make people feel that you're not competent or that you don't believe fully or you're convicted about something so your projection and your energy when you speak is a critical way to connect and be appear confident. Even if you don't, anybody can increase their volume, but it does take effort and energy. So that would be number two. And number three is your body language is being read 
all the time. If you do not know what your resting face is, or if you've never thought about these things, this is your opportunity to begin to see yourself the way others see you because we're human beings. We are taking signals and clues and cues from you. So own that, get excited about it. Don't get overwhelmed. Do the prep work. Think about your voice. Think about your body. That's the three things I'd recommend off the top. And then how to get in touch with me, find me on GinaLondon.com. Find me on wherever you get your social media, Instagram, TikTok, or LinkedIn is my favorite platform these days, but do find me because I do respond personally to anyone and everyone. And I'd be delighted to continue our conversation. Fantastic. It has been a pleasure, Gina. Really appreciate you. Thanks, Chris. Back at you. I really appreciate you as well. Thought Leadership Studio. So I'm your host, Chris McNeil, and this has been Thought Leadership Studio, Episode 63. Gina London on Executive Presence, where we talked about her career path from CNN correspondent to leadership coach, leadership and storytelling, authentic leadership, building a thought leadership brand, and the impact of communication, of the transformative power that can foster trust, loyalty, and a positive organizational culture, as well as the positive influence that we're all trying to create as thought leaders make sure if you're on an app to go to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com it is linked to in the episode description where you can check out gina's coordinates website linkedin twitter or now x instagram and of course language of leadership six steps to success also on the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. You can get the free marketer's guide to strategic thought leadership. There's a download link at the bottom of the page. It's a PDF guide to the building blocks of your own thought leadership. Again, this is Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil. It's been a pleasure and look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Have a great one. Thought Leadership Studio. Thank mm-hmm. you.